episode two. Here behind, we are. Behind the drop episode two. I'm excited, man. And unlike the first episode, we now know the handles of all, all of our social. That's how you want to kick it off. Just people get plugs, yeah. plugs straight in. Do that thing where it's like, if you haven't listened, we're a new podcast. So the most important thing, if you like the first one, if it's the first time you're ever listening to us, is like, like the thing in it and rate it five stars and then go follow us at behind the drop with a double P at the end on all the socials. At first, when you did that and put the double P, yeah. I laughed because I was like, it's so dumb. And then as soon as we were like, that's what it's going to be. I'm absolutely obsessed. It's good, isn't it? Because it's like behind the drop pod, but like P. Yeah, drop. Uh, drop. And then it keeps going. You know what I mean? Behind the drop. It's good. Big shout out to everyone who came to our launch party as well at Box Park. I mean, it was the the, the, the snowy day of, of of London, but it was a good little vibe. It was, it was like a little family affair. It was very cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was really cute. Just I had like blue DJ and just straight back from Brazil. Davia, yeah, man. It was a lot. Was and Sinead. And Sinead as well. Um, so as you said, you said you said um, last time you wanted more chat at the start. I love the chat, and I did notice that it did. It was quite quick, but then you were quick to actually say to me that it was six minutes, and you think that's long enough. Listen, I don't know how <laughs> other people listen to podcasts, right? But if this was me listening to this podcast and I'm not actually listening to it, I'd skip this. Oh my god! Because what I want to get listen. If I've come to the podcast for a music story, yeah, and we pro- and we promote it as a listen. The stories are X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. I've gone, oh, I want to hear that. Yeah. I've clicked on the thing that says, this is a story or thing. That sounds interesting. Let's go. Let's fucking go. Skip to it. Yeah, but Bang. don't you want to get to know the personalities who are who are, who are behind it? Um, I thought you'd get to know that through the story, you know? The way you, if you like the, the way the person tells a story. Yeah. But listen, I'm all... That's, for, a, that's a slow burn. I'm all for a chit-chat. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> I'm not feeling too good. Everyone's not. I think like, it, is it COVID part two? I don't know. My friend told me was like he, he was like, "Oh, have you taken a COVID test?" And I was like, "Bro, I don't want to know. Mm, yeah. I don't want to know because I can't stop my life." Yeah, that's yeah. I, I mean, have to keep going. I don't even know if even if you have COVID, I don't even know if you have to stop your life. Is well, that, that's what I'm. Well, yeah, but I mean, I would feel guilty because um, I yeah, I've never noticed so many people being so ill, and a lot of people who aren't like I've got a lot of friends who like they don't get ill and they're ill. This is me. Yeah. And I've missed three days of gym and I want to die. Yeah. It's actually stressing me out. Anyway, it's March 2023, by the way, just in case you listen to this in that next year. But it's just, everyone might be ill all the time. Who knows? <laughs> this uh, was like a month before COVID part two. Yeah, exactly. And it, That's me knocking on wood. That's not going to happen. Yeah, we, we hope not. We hope not. I've got a bit of a squeaky chair. I hope you can't hear that on the phone. Well, apart from that, we're good. What, you but, um, chairs? All right, go on. I noticed that we're in the same studio that we were in for the first episode and about halfway through I was like his chair is so squeaky. That's Bell. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. That's good. We're Sturdy. Good. Yeah, we're good. We're in. How uh, are you how are you? I feel good. I, I don't want to we said that you want to talk more and I was I think we should do a thing of like who do you hate? I think that's a better who way of kicking off the show. Okay. Who do you hate? What do you hate in the moment? Oh, it's really boring. Go on. Rishi Sunak. <laughs> It's really issue? boring because I just everything about the, this government is stressing me out. Did just, you see the Gary Lineker thing? I saw it. I basically, since kind of Rishi came into power, I think it's it's a kind of similar thing when Trump left. Right? I just haven't watched the news. It no, all I seems quite it. boring. Oh. Do you know what I mean? But when when like no, it was it. when it was this trust, oh she's no, here for a week. You're like, oh shit, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like drama. Yeah. yeah now yeah, it yeah. stopped. I, it's just I don't care. Oh my god, I totally get it. Because like as soon as Biden came in, I was like, 
Whatever. Have you heard, like, do you remember, like, when Trump was on, like, every night, there'd be, like, what's that guy, Seth? I can't remember his name. Like, the, like a nightly show. I'd, I'd watch it every night to be like, what fuckery has Donald Trump done? Yeah. And it's, like, very insane. Yeah. Been, there's not one episode I've watched yeah. in the last two years. It's just like, oh, he's dealing with some, like, student debt. Yeah. Student loan debt or something. Yeah, like, you, boring. Who cares? But also, it's like, it's not meant to be entertainment. There you go. So I don't uh, watch the news anymore. No, I get it. So. Like, there was a period after Rishi came in. That like I f- completely forgot that that whole thing happened, mm. and then I think I saw like a picture of him and I was like, oh my god, I totally forgot he was PM. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, who do you hate? I hate Uniport. Fuck Uniports. What's Uniport? Uniport is the un. It's not just un- okay. I'm saying Uniport, but I, I mean general record label payment systems, right? Mm. I don't get it. I don't understand it. So Fucking. You have to go or any any big company's payment system. Oh, uh, it's an invoice thing. Yeah, so yeah, you got to sign up to their thing. Then you got to, like yeah. upload like a PO thing. Then they send you this thing back. Then you can then send the invoice. Then they put it in their system and you finally get paid. But I think I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I think the average wait time I get paid from sending the invoice, not even doing the work, is is maybe six months. Stop. I can. Maybe maybe I'm no maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. I reckon four months is average, but like six months from the work sometimes. No, it's wild. So I hate them. And then you get you chase them up. You spend so much time chasing them up. I my manager. You got to chase it up. You got to chase it up. Now I'm lucky. I'm in a position where I have a few months, like money rolling. in the business. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but if I didn't, I'd actually be fucked, fucked right now. Yeah. I'm owed so much money <gasps> by them. I don't even know what's happening with it, whether it's coming or going. I don't know if you can really add late fees onto it because it doesn't work like that. They're like, yes, one, I might have called them up and be like, they didn't put it through. It's like, if I hadn't to chase for them three times, they said, oh, sorry, that wasn't come through. It'll be on next one. So yeah, I'm waiting on stuff I've done from October. It's March now. Fucking over it. Yeah, it's boring. I hate them. And I don't get it. Why can't there be like, if you're going to buy a laptop, for example, I'm sure universal people need laptops, but go to Apple, whatever it is, buy some laptops. Here's the money. Why are they, when you want a remix, a production mm. fee or whatever it is, why is it, oh, no, no, you start to our process. Yeah. Oh, and we'll do this and then we'll maybe like, what? no, sign up to my process. What maybe about it's it? their like version of Klarna. Yeah. I, like they're pushing back payments. I think it must be by design because obviously if it you, has to. my money's not as big, but say you're doing all your record deals like this, all your hundred thousand pound, multi-million pound record deals. If you can delay them by six months, your interest on that is crazy. hundred percent. So I think it must be by design, but I just want to like do it by Fiverr now. I want to get to a point and be like, no, if you want it, here's my details. Pay me half up front, half at the end. Like, so yeah. That's mental. That's who I fucking hate. Swore, swore quite a lot there. <laughs> Didn't mean to. Sorry, mom. All right, well, I can see that it's been about seven minutes, so I think this is your limit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right, on the chat. Yeah. <laughs> limit. Let's get into the show well, today. What, what are you going to talk about? Because I'm going to go first, so I'll, I'll, I'll explain after. My you. story is called Who the Fuck is Fred Again? Don't we all know who Fred Again is now? I don't know because we keep talking about it. Fred Again or Fred Again Mania. And, you know, people, the, the, the discourse around Fred Again, who is probably like, he's come. The Fred again name came around in lockdown. And he's like he's taking the dance world by storm, but everyone's got an opinion on him for some reason, whether mm. good, bad, or ugly. And it's just like people can't stop talking about Fred again. So let's get into it. Right? Who the You're going to tell me who the fuck Fred he is. Again? I will tell you. Well, I'm going to tell you the story of TLC, the best-selling American girl group 
of all time. But mm. while they were topping charts, they had to file for bankruptcy. Second to who, by the way? Do you know who in the world? Spice Girls. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? How did you know that? I know a lot about TLC because what? my housemate is oh. doing their documentary for the Which last two one, years. It's coming out in about a couple of months' time. It's their official documentary. He's, oh been, he's, been, he's been working God. on it for the last two and a half years. He knows Chile. I will send this podcast to no, Chile. No, don't say that. It's making me nervous. Well, you better, you've got to do a good job now. Fuck! Adam! <laughs> that's stressing me out. That's so cool. Like, where where they where have they filmed it and stuff? All over. Uh, you went to America, well, Alabama, uh, Atlanta, so where they're from. Um, Glastonbury, they did South Glastonbury. We did yeah. the tour, they did a Europe tour, UK tour. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's been all over with them. Like interviewing them and stuff. Yeah, well. yeah, like, like with them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Interviewing all of their like producers and all the people they've worked with at the start. Like two year, two years he's been, he's been working on it. Well, here's my little story <laughs> on like my six page printout. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to just demolish that. This is going to be much better than a documentary. Oh, I tell you that. Two years? Yeah. <laughs> I can do this in half an hour. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Let's okay. go. Well, let me start. Uh, Tion T. Boz Watkins. Rosanda Chili Thomas and the late Lisa Left Eye Lopez made the amazing TLC. They were when you said when you said uh, they're from Atlanta. I was like, shit, did I get that right? <laughs> I didn't indeed get it right. They were formed in Atlanta in 1990. Uh, they had nine songs that made the top ten Billboard 100, which included the iconic classics "Creep," "Waterfalls," "No Scrubs," and "I'm Pretty," which are all like classics to mm. this day. Um, they've also released um, four multi-platinum albums, including Sec uh, Crazy Sexy Cool, which came out in 94. They are the best-selling American girl group, one behind the Spice Girls. Um, uh, having sold over 65 million uh, records worldwide and have received multiple accolades, being recognized for their contribution to music, including four Grammys, MTV Video Music Awards, Soul Train Music Awards and the Mobos honored them with an outstanding contribution to Music Award and Billboard ranked them as one of the greatest musical trios um, and so many more. Mm. I always rated TLC, obviously. Love you, Chili, if you're listening to this. Um, but like, I didn't realize like what a massive impact yeah they had that i mean like when you just put it out like that it's, it's too much to even it's kind of too like, like it's crazy like four multi-platinum albums that's like. and yeah. like 65 million albums sold like because obviously the, those songs are being played out in like clubs anyway still but then like they're kind of like there's so many old school hip-hop r&b nights that are even named mm, like, like creep scrubs, or yeah. no scrubs or yeah. whatever and like um like that's even like scrub like that's referenced in some like i don't know it's just like i mean no scrubs will probably get played at most clubs like yeah. quite, like still it to this day i just feel weekend. like those songs are so big that i didn't even like i didn't think that the group itself had made such an impact because i just kind of thought like the songs were like carrying the legacy but mm. like yeah when i was re researching about them i was like fuck me yeah um they are now obviously existing as a duo after the tragic death of Lisa Left Eye Lopez in tw uh, 2002 when she was killed in a car crash while shooting a documentary in Honduras. Um, so let's go back to the beginning, the formation. In 1990, an Atlanta-based record producer named Ian Burke and one of his clients called Crystal Jones came up with the idea for a girl group. Jones put the call out for two more girls to join the group, which was answered by T-Boz and Left Eye. And they were initially called Second Nature. That's 
not a great name. <laughs> I'm glad they changed it. Um, why second? Why not first nature? Uh, oh, second nature. Like, oh, that's second nature. Well, I guess nature, yeah, first nature exists. I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah it's second nature. Na- no, second nature is like a, it's a phrase. Like, it's isn't a it? phrase, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's a phrase. Yeah, okay, still. <laughs> and he's not having it. Um, the group managed to arrange an audition with singer Perry Pebbles Reed. So I'm just going to refer to her as Pebbles. Um, who started her own management and production company called Pebitone the year before. She was also married to L.A. Reid at the time. Do you know L.A. Reid? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Legendary. Yeah, so if you don't know who he is, he's a record executive, A&R representative, record producer, and he was previously the chairman and CEO of Epic Records, mm. um, Island Def Jam Music Group, and also the president and CEO of Arista Records. So big, he's big, big name. Big boss, yeah. And like you would probably recognize him. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, LaFace, I think, was LA yeah, and yeah, Babyface. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, just pink. coming into my story there. Sorry, right sorry, there. sorry. <laughs> they did, did Pink. They're responsible for Pink's first album. I, I know. <laughs> no, it's crazy. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, Pebbles renamed the group TLC, which is an acronym for the names Tion, Lisa, and Crystal. Um, I thought it was Standard Love and Care. <laughs> Listen, things have multiple... Re- multiple uh, like, until, like, not the word. until like now but t- t- it is t- that is TLC isn't yeah it? I know so yeah. it's a double entendre double entendre um, so she set up an audition uh, for them with LaFace Records um, which was run by her then husband L.A. Reid and Kenneth uh, Babyface Edmonds L.A. Reid thought that Crystal John should be, re- should be replaced so according to T-Boss she and left a- music what was it? the game is the game cutthroat industry man. right uh, so she, so T-Boz, um, so according to T-Boz, she and Left Eye asked Crystal to leave the group before their initial contracts were negotiated, but it's also been said that Crystal wanted to have the contracts reviewed by a lawyer, but Pebbles denied that, um, and that's also kind of, like, allegedly why maybe mm. she was, like, kicked out. Get out. Get out. Like, Man. you want a lawyer to look over this? Get the fuck out. So T-Boz and Left Eye... Uh, signed a production management and publishing deal with Pebitone on the 28th of Feb, 91. And Pebbles also became their general manager. Chili at the time was a backup dancer for a fellow uh, LaFace Records act and was quickly recruited as the replacement for Crystal. In order to keep the acronym TLC, the members adopted the names T-Boss, Chili, and Left Eye. And they signed to LaFace and their records would be distributed by Arista Records, BMG. Nice. So just a quick side note on LaFace, which you just kind of mentioned I'm before. I'm sorry I ruined your story. <laughs> no, <laughs> this story cannot be ruined. It's unruinable. Uh, they were responsible for launch- launching the careers of Tony Braxton, Outcast, Pink, Pink, Usher, Danelle Jones, Goody Mob, and of course, TLC. So they're massive. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the 25th of Feb, my birthday, uh, in 92, TLC released their debut album, birthday present to me Ooh, on the tlc tip <laughs> which sold four million copies in the u.s and the album's music style was similar to the new jack swing style which is a fusion genre of like hip-hop dance pop jazz funk rap and r&b which opened the doors for similar groups swv destiny's child 702 jade black which was actually like produced by left eye they're the originals yeah and black was in um bring it on yeah yeah Oh. Following the release, they went on their first national tour 
um, as support to MC Hammer. But during this tour, T-Boz was hospitalized as she has sickle cell um, anemia and they had to cancel some shows while she recuperated. So when this tour ended, TLC decided to part ways with Pebbles as their manager. One of the biggest reasons was not having received um, much monetary compensation. And I'm sure there was a a lot more stuff going on behind the scenes as well. Um, Pebbles released them from the management deal, but they remained signed to Pebitone. So she would still continue to receive a share of their earnings. Mm. Uh, The band's second album, Crazy Sexy Cool, was released in 94, which featured less of Left Eye due to her personal struggles struggles with alcoholism. She was um, in rehab as well, so she would come out of rehab to like record her bits. Uh, She was also dealing with a volatile romantic relationship, and I'll kind of explain that a little bit later on. Um, The album was a huge success, having sold over 7.7 million copies just in the States and 14 million worldwide. Um, All four singles off this album reached the top five of the Billboard 100, including Creep, Waterfalls, Red Light Special and Digging On You. They won numerous awards, but amidst all their success, TLC filed had to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy on the 3rd of July, 1995. What, that early on? Yeah, so second album. Okay. Because they just weren't being paid. <laughs> I question going four tracks and then I'm like top five and then you're like... It's you're just, broke. yeah. They declared three and a half million dollars in debt, which was the main reason, um, be, with the main reason being that they had signed a bad deal with Pebitone. After Arista Records, LaFace and Pebitone recouped their investment on all the recording, manufacturing, and distribution costs. Um, the record label and Pebitone went on and to travel for a lot more other things. Um, apparently, after selling all those millions of albums, each member was left with only $50,000 a year. Better than NSYNC. <laughs> Better than that 10K <laughs> that they got <laughs> for three years. That is kind of crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. Because that's what, like 38 grand? or something, yeah. And you're one of the most and successful. Yeah, you've just dropped, you've just sold 14 million albums on your second your yeah. second album. You do the math, it's like, what is that? Know, like, less than a percent probably. So their 91 contract with LaFace actually only led TLC to receive only 50 cents per album sold. And then they had to split that three ways. Okay. Um, according to past interviews, the members of TLC signed a management agreement with Pebbles, which gave her the ownership of the name TLC as well, along with a large percentage of their earnings. They were apparently not given a copy of their original contract and had to use the same solicitors and uh, accountants as Pebbles, because they obviously, like when they were starting out, couldn't afford their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had to pay $3 million to gain the ownership of the TLC name. So it's like a million dollars per letter. <laughs> Is that sorry? When they did that, all in '95, that they they paid, they tried to get it back, and yeah, point. I believe so. Wow. Yeah, crazy, right? A million dollars. Well, it's, it's crazy that you pay a million dollars when you've only earned fifty grand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's mad. Um, so ultimately, they wanted to end their ties with Pepitone, obviously, but LaFace refused to. Neg- uh, and ref- LaFace refused to negotiate, so the band had to file for bankruptcy. Um, representatives for Arista and LaFace Records, and those are the companies that distribute TLC's music, enlisted, insisted that the group had um, always been paid properly under the terms of its contract, which they both characterized as fair and industry standard agreement. 
which is bullshit. Like they're just saying like, well, they signed well, it, yeah. so like which, we're just honoring that. Which is kind of true, but it's just it's just wild, isn't it? Yeah. Do you think like when you're saying like, yeah, it's true. I guess like legally, it's true. But that's but what else matters. I guess. You know, I mean, morals can can matter, and yeah. you know, but what you what you li- legally what have, you have to, done, have to yeah. do. I mean, it's tough, man. Because back in the day, I don't know, like you know, sixties, whatever, you would just get a heavy to just, you know, when the gangsters kind of ran it and the mafia was involved, you just get someone yeah. go to their house. Oh, you're in, in well, the, they kind of did. Mm-hmm. So I'll get into it because okay, they kind of did do some fucking badass shit. Um, so uh, a, the, a quote from Roy Lott, who is the executive vice president and general manager of Arista Records back in 96, said, these girls are certainly not living impoverishment. This this bankruptcy case is nothing but a ploy to break their contract. Ah, look at your face. But that's not true. That, that would also be true. Right. Like because they will be legally saying. Because they'll be staying in five-star hotels, eating out, deliver, but all of that will be taken off. Do you know what I mean? So they won't be, yeah, they won't be in poverty. Mm. They're not going to be like on yeah. the streets. But I don't, stuff. but then again, they're not saying we're living in poverty, pay us. No, they're no, saying no. like, just give me a fair, just give me a fair, me a fair yeah, yeah. share of what we're selling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk numbers a bit. So according to Left Eye, after five years of being in the group, the trio had received less than 1% of the estimated $175 million in revenue that the group had earned worldwide. Which is forty. T- so this is what they were fighting. Which is forty times less than the profit that they um, had been divided among the management, production, record label. That's what's piss. Like that's what would piss you off. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're making everyone else rich. Yeah. Uh, so in 1995, if we look at kind of like the total retail pie of like how how much the albums are making and being distributed, so 14 million albums generated back in '95 generated an estimate of like 175 million dollars at retail value which is insane insane uh so the record company take um they would gross about 140 million dollars at the sale of 14 million units and racks up about 49 million dollars in profit which doesn't include the profit on manufacturing or distribution um so the artists what they would take um, is that they would be paid after the company is reimbursed for cash advances spent on studio recording, video production, radio promo, tour support, etc. Mm-hmm. So if we just kind of look at three levels of like artist hierarchy based on royalty percentages, um, let's say there's like the superstar. So theoretically on the sale of 14 million albums, that should generate about $22 million for superstars like Janet Jackson, Metallica, Garth Brooks, um, who would then receive uh, an estimated 25% royalty minus marketing, packaging, and other costs. So the mid-range artist, theoretically, on the sale of 14 million albums, they would generate about $8 million Mm -hmm. for such stars as this. this, You just know it's like definitely dated the 90s. Green Day, Hootie Hootie and the Blowfish, or the Cranberries, whose initial 12 percent royalty contracts have been then bumped to an estimated 18 percent royalty so some com- record companies when an artist is like super successful or gaining more and more success then they'll re- renegotiate these like yeah. horrible first contracts mm-hmm. um but you can just tell the difference so like 25 percent is 22 million yeah 12 no 18 percent 
no, 12% is 8 million. Mm. So, like, it, those percentages fucking, like, add up, you know? They definitely matter. Um, and then the low entry, which was, let's say, the TLC, well, they were, um, they were paid 1.2 million after selling estimated $14 million uh, albums. Wow. And that was 7% royalty rate. It's, it's wild. It's wild. 1.2 million. Well, you said 100, that's basically 1%. Yeah. You said like 175 million and they get 1% of that. And then probably, I don't know on top of that, what you your management fees, so whatever your management exactly. contract would then be taken off. Do you know what that. I was thinking the other day? So let's say an artist gets 100K, right? For mm -hmm. a fee. You're like, that's sweet. That's so high. That's amazing. Tax, 50%. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. And then you're paying management fees, agency agent fees, 30% based on the gross of 100. Mm -hmm. That's 30 grand. Well, I wouldn't, what was, there wouldn't be an agent fee. There'd be a management fee. No, well, but um, oh, you mean for a show. Right, so if you, you yeah, if yeah. you did a show, yeah. that's 30%. You're left with 20K. Yeah, it's ah. mad. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not as, it's not as little as that because obviously if you have a business, you run it for the business. No, I get. But it could I, be. Yeah. It could be. I mean, I don't think you can get that far off of that. No, it's like, hot, I reckon, yeah. You, basically, yeah, you think, oh, 100 grand and then. I mean, someone said it before, like, oh, when I made a million pounds, I went out and bought X, Y, Z, and then the taxman wanted 450,000 pounds, and then I didn't have it, so I was bankrupt. <laughs> so it's just like... This this is it. Money management is just insane. Yeah. But it's... So the enemy amongst the stall is the taxman. Also, just like education, no one tells you. Yeah. But I mean, well, they don't want to tell... Yeah, anyway. don't, yeah, they don't Let, want you to know. That's a whole different thing, but... Yeah. So TLC faced a two-year legal battle, obviously, after all this shit, with Pebitone, which then settled in 96. Um, Pebitone agreed to let them out of their production management deal in exchange for them receiving a percentage of royalties on some of the band's future releases. Um, when the group were asking where the money was, LaFace and Arista kept pointing the fingers at each other. Uh, and the trio got, and this is like the badass bit. Um, the trio got so mad at not being told what was going on so that they were just like, we have nothing to lose. Let's just go straight to the top. Mm. So they went to uh, Clive Davis, who was the president of Arista Records at the time. And they like essentially held him hostage. <laughs> what, just went, ran up in the building? <laughs> Literally. So um, they had brought, so the three of them, they all met in New York and uh, they brought along some girls that Left Eye had met when she was in, a diversion center, which is like a court-approved treatment facility, which is like girls from the rehab. <laughs> but they were like, yeah. So basically, like, quick note on why they knew, like, they knew these girls is like in '94, left I burned her boyfriend at the time's house down. Do you yeah. remember this? Yeah, yeah. And like, apparently, I think their relationship was like really toxic anyway. Mm. But apparently, like, they both went out clubbing like separately, came back, and she was just like fuming that he bought like loads of trainers and like didn't buy her any. Or something like that. Something trivial. So she actually like burned loads of trainers in the bathtub of his trainers, and then it set the house on fire. Yeah, I mean, it, it was like it was like the whole, whole house. The whole was done. mansion was yeah. done. So yeah, uh, she was she turned herself in and was released on bail, but like she had to go to this uh, diversion center, and she met these lovely women, and these women uh, came with them to Arista, and uh, they were apparently like really massive and like scary. Uh, and they they told the band told the girls to run up on each floor of the record label and just grab anything that had TLC on it because they didn't have any plaques or anything like that. So they would just be like, if you see a TLC plaque, grab it. If there's like artwork, like posters, 
grab it. Anything with TLC, grab it. So these women were just going up and down all these floors, like grabbing TLC shit while they essentially went into Clive Davis's office. And apparently like P. Diddy was in there as well. And he was like playing music for Clive. Yeah. And then I think it was T-Boz, T-Boz's like cousin who like came with them as well. And she like went over and like stopped the tape. And gave it to P. Diddy and said, TLC's got a meeting with Clive. You've got to go. Your meeting's over. <laughs> to Diddy? You're like, you're yeah. Like, What's going on? I think I thought Diddy at that time wasn't the... Diddy. Yeah. Well, maybe 94. Maybe he 94. was, actually. Um, but that's quite... That's... That was, so, I don't, was that pre-Biggie and stuff? No, I think I died in like... When did Biggie die? 95? I think 96. Don't quote, don't quote me on it. So he used to, anyway, so like, I think that was really funny. So apparently he just like grabbed the tape and like left. <laughs> and yeah, Dad so nice they had like girls stationed outside the uh, the office and said like, no one comes in and out unless we say. They called in like the finance guy who worked there as well, just to like figure it out. Um, but uh, what we're trying to figure out, because obviously it's not like. Well, they had, they were just like, we where need is to. It? Where is it? Because what are you doing with our money? Like they weren't mm. getting answers, so they were like this mafia yeah, yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So by this time, the NYPD were called because you're, hot, you're hijacking the building. Because it's yeah. like you're running around, <laughs> people taking shit off the walls and stuff. So NYPD like came came into the office, and uh, in in an interview I saw, um, Chile actually said like the NYPD came and said to Clive like. Is everything okay? Like, what's going on? And then apparently, like, the three members like just gave a look to Clyde, and then he understood that like he needed to like basically make sure they didn't get arrested and like take yeah, control. That wouldn't be good for the regular for, yeah, for anyone, right? Yeah. Um, so they didn't, they weren't arrested, and ultimately their contracts were renego- renegotiated. And from that moment on, I think if you ha- even if you're an artist, if you had to go into the building, you had to like sign in yeah. and like get they patted changed, down. They and changed shit. the game. <laughs> they changed the oh game. Oh my god, I thought that was really funny. But that yeah, gangster shit. Like they just went in and like demanded what they needed. I don't know if that would work now, but <laughs> I mean, no, I don't. I don't know. I mean, well, tw- raided in a very, very different way, but mm. got the same result. The internet you know what I mean? age. You can do that. Yeah. There's a different way of doing it because I guess, say back then, TLC don't have that that platform to just like put out to everyone that this is what's happening. Yeah, exactly. You could maybe do it at an award pre, show or something. or something. Yeah, yeah. so how would they get it out? You have to do an interview. I mean, you can I get approval from the, the writers, but then the music labels would know all the magazines. Exactly. So it's like, it, it'd be harder to do it. So I think it still goes on, but... You know, even like Lil Sims in her new album, when she's just like discussing that, she's like, I'm not going to sign to you. You're, you're using me to get rich. How about you don't send your kid to private school and, do, 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 and give me more money? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm. it's all in the music. So it's still happening to me yeah. day. Just in a different way. Just in a different way. Um, so <laughs> after the ne- renegotiation, TLC released their third album called Fan Mail, 23rd of Feb in 99. It was another huge success. Debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 chart. Sold 6 million copies in the US and over 10 million worldwide. It has singles such as No Scrubs and Unpretty. Just fucking classics on every album, honestly. Uh, They won three Grammys for this album. They were honored with the Aretha 
Franklin Entertainer of the Year Award and went on a worldwide tour. But rifts between the band members came to the forefront during this time, also with their long-term collaborator, producer Dallas Austin, who was also seeing Chile at the time and had a child with her. He famously wanted $4.2 million and creative control over the album. Um, he had been their main producer from the beginning. Um, and although there was a standoff between him and the band, he he ended up producing the bulk of the album. During the recording and release of Fan Mail, however, Left Eye made it known to the press that she wasn't able to fully express herself in the band. Her contributions were reduced to periodic eight-bar raps, and there were songs where she wasn't included in the vocals. Mm. It must be tough, though. Because if politics. you're kind of, huh? Always politics, isn't it? Yeah. Especially if, if the producer if you're like a rap, yeah. Is, yeah, I mean, there's it gets it's a bit messy, isn't it? Mm. Um, she even suggested in '99 in a letter to Entertainment Weekly to challenge this. Bit, it's a bit weird with her bandmates to record three solo albums and see which album performs best. Just look at it. I actually mind that. I think that's like a it'd be good um promo, isn't it? Yeah. Well, okay. Three so albums. This is a bit, bit bad, yeah. This bit. Uh, so this was part of the letter she wrote. I challenged Tion Player Watkins and Rosanda Hater Ch- uh, Thomas to an album entitled "The Challenge," a three D three CD set that contains three solo albums. Each album will be due to the record label by the first of October two thousand. I also challenged producer Dallas, the Manipulator Austin. Oof. Yeah, to produce all of the material and do it at a fraction of his normal rate. As I think about it, I'm sure LaFace wouldn't mind throwing in a $1.5 million prize for the winner. I don't know. It's a bit weird. I'm not, I you I, love I, it. I love it. Uh, I kind of love it. Because it's just like, it depends on how they close and stuff they are in yeah. a relationship. But if you could do that, right? Buzz, buzz, buzz. Then get back together. Right. That is a great marketing campaign. <laughs> and just the name the player hater Play, yeah I mean obviously that means saying something like there's obviously more there's to stuff it stuff but like yeah if it was a fun if it was a crew I don't know like oh, I'm trying to think I mean G-Unit whatever like but like if you loved whatever it was a G-Unit yeah, yeah. like go yeah and they yeah, did yeah. this and then come back together like it's cool yeah I mean it never actualized yeah <laughs> and the band but she did, she did have a solo album she did yeah um, and the bandmates eventually reconciled the feud, but following the fan mail tour, the bandmates took time to pursue their individual products, pro- projects. Left Eye, challenge. <laughs> Left Eye released her solo project, Supernova, which was released in Europe um, as the first, uh, f- as the first and only single, The Block Party. It didn't perform well in the States, so the US release was ultimately scrapped. Uh, she also had a song with Mel C. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a vibe. Never you know? be the same again. I actually listened to that the <laughs> other day because after we did the pod last time, I've been only I've been listening to it 90s, 2000s pop exclusively. Mm. I that era was just like, oh, uh, never be the same again. Fucking tune, man. Sing it. Never, never be the same again. Anyway. Uh, the band eventually performed their last live performance on the 1st of August 2001 at the MTV MTV's 20th anniversary party in New York with the song Waterfalls before Left Eye died. Lisa Left Eye Lopez was killed in a car crash in Honduras on the 25th of April 2002 at the age of 30. She was in the 
Um, TLC were in the middle of recording their fourth album called 3D, and eventually this was completed by the other two members of the band, and the album was released in November 2002, which is like nine months after, not even nine months after she passed. That's mental. Yeah. If you think, like, that's mm. crazy. The album sold two million copies in the US, but it wasn't um, such an international success as their previous work, but also when the when your previous work has done... and a member has passed like that's yeah anyway uh, you set such high standards sometimes it's hard it's still a success it's saying like two million albums it didn't do that well yeah. it's like it's fucking sold two million albums mm. and a member just passed away like eight months ago um tlc as a duo chili and t-boss have worked on a reality tv show called are you the girl released greatest hits albums released new music there was a biographical bio bio graphical film about them and another one coming up mm -hmm. called crazy sexy cool the tlc story they've embarked on world tours released one more self-titled studio album and they performed glastonbury last year so they're fucking killing it um they're the best-selling american girl group of all time having sold 65 million records um second to spice girls and according to Billboard, they are the second most successful girl group of all time on the Billboard charts, only behind the Supremes. That's mad. Going in. And I have a fun fact, actually. Go on. They turned down Hit Me Baby one more time. And Chili had been, Chili had said, it's a great song, but not every hit is for you. I couldn't hear us on that record. I'm just trying to think if I could hear them on that record. I mean, the... The production would have had to have been different. Completely different, yeah. You could, I don't know. It's, it, I mean, it's hard to do it now because it's so Britney. It's it? so Britney. But if the production was switched, then maybe. I can't remember. There was another artist that turned it down. I can't remember. I'll look it up later, but. But it's Br so iconically Britney. Britney's story might have to be done at some point as well. Oh, Britney's crazy. Don't you worry. I'm all over that shit. Yeah. I love my like 90s, like 2000s bag. Yeah, that's that's right. Now, TLC, man, they're just, they're just, they're just incredible. The legacy. I mean, what a crazy fucked up. They're just track. cool, though, man. Crazy, sexy, cool, man. Yeah. Go. Hey. You like that. You like that. They are. They are. Um, yeah, we got TLC. Yeah, and watch out for the documentary when it, when it, when it, when it comes as well. I'll, I'll let you know if um, she, she listens to this one. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> don't, don't. But I, <laughs> yeah, I guess like the last two stories I've done are just like fucking get a solicitor, everyone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a that like, is a common thread of the earlier you sign your contract, the probably the worst it's going to be for you. Absolutely. The, the more success you have as a, in the, especially nowadays, because back then you basically couldn't make it without a label, and even you're saying some of the costs uh, of releasing an album is like. The manufacturing distribution costs obviously you have to print new CDs or vinyls, tapes like that costs a lot. Mm. Now it costs you don't all. need to, yeah. So you're not like twenty, like why getting twenty percent from a label? Like when it should be like more, maybe not fifty fifty, but forty fifty because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But just yeah, the earlier you sign, obviously the more fucked up it's going to be, which is a shame. So don't sign early. Don't don't be run rushing to do it. So make it and then sign. Yeah, yeah, get the, yeah. Exactly. It's kind of because the thing is when you when you sign now. Yeah. All the artists are like, okay, so now it's like the marketing, you're like, so you have to break yourself now on TikTok or you've got to do this, you've yeah. got to do that. When before it was like, okay, cool, let's get one Radio 1, let's get this press, yeah. let's do that, that's cool, like you're doing it. But now it's like, what are you going to do to break yourself on exactly. TikTok? Or maybe we'll give you some ideas, but it's still on you. Yeah. So what's the point in something when did sometimes? It, like, when did it turn like that? I, I mean, it wasn't at like the start of TikTok, but I think TikTok is, um, 
exasperated that kind of like trend. Just, I just even saw like Mahalia tweet the other day, just being like, stop telling, like labels, stop telling us to blow up on TikTok or yeah. whatever. And it's just like, Mahalia, you're yeah. telling Mahalia every to do that. Every single artist now. It's not just a thing where it's, oh, like it's every artist, the cool, because to be fair, you're getting a lot of cool underground artists being a huge following yeah. on, I think the main one for me is that, that inner co girl who's just like, I don't think she'd, which should have blown. I don't think a label would have picked her up, but because mm. she's got this audience, it's just like. But then also, it's like, then what job is the label doing? They're just a bank. They are giving loans, giving loans, and crazy marketing spend. If, so in, in my in my opinion, that's what they are. But then it's like, what are you even marketing if they're already done that themselves? Well, they do that, but they can just elevate it. They can just. They've got the. I think why the labels are still relevant is that they can offer you more money than you can probably even earn because they need to be, exist. And they have this, like you say, how much money they're making off that track. They have, they are like so rich. Like, not, like they're like the Qataris buying up football. It doesn't matter. They've got mm. so much money. It just has to be ticked off somewhere. Yeah. So when they need, they care, all they care about is chart positions. Is that going to chart? Oh yeah, because then Universal or whatever label it is, oh, we've got the chart positions, chart positions. So when they see things going, some of the deals that are happening at the moment, like you're not even, you're offering these artists or whatever for like a song, I suppose on TikTok, a song, uh, 200,000, 300,000, 400,000. It's probably not even going to make that money back, but it doesn't matter because you've got the chart position and you've got that industry locked and then like, you're still doing your job because they've got the money. Do you know what I mean? It's not always about the money for yeah. them. Obviously it will become at some point about the money, but for them it's just like, is this going to be a hit? Is this going to be a hit? Can we, or even like, oh, is this going to be cool so that places us in this realm? It's not all about money. Mm. So you, sometimes you can just earn more money from a major label than you could probably ever do independently. And I think they did that. There's a time when all the rappers, UK rappers weren't signed and then what they go and in hindsight, it looked at like what they went and did. It's like, okay, who's the top dogs? Okay, gigs. Okay, gigs. I'm making these numbers up. You weren't a hundred thousand pound off your last album. Here's four hundred thousand to make your next one. Of course, you're gonna sign. But then it sets this trend. Everyone still signs because if say like, I don't know if it was gigs, let's get though who's kind of still independent. Wherever they weren't independent, then you've yeah. got this trend where all the rappers don't go and they stay independent. Yeah, yeah. But you need to just no. We need people to sign. Here's a ridiculous amount of money. And obviously some people, signing is good for some people because it's like, it's, you don't want to do all the mark. You don't want to do it yourself all the time. Yeah. I want to rap. I yeah. want to make music. So you some, get someone else in to, to come and do it. But then they're telling them to go blow up on TikTok. That is, I mean, that's literally what every yeah. marketing, that's what they, I think even the, the roles have changed. I think they used to have like uh, digital content people and marketing managers. Now they are the same job <laughs> because that's what it is. Like mm. what is marketing now is TikTok. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> love TikTok. Um, I'm, I've been I've been slacking on TikTok recently to be honest. So Same. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I'm gonna get back on it. But just, it's just time. I'm when life gets in the way. Do you know what it's like? Do you know who's been really good at like doing the TikTok and the Instagram? Fred again. Well, there you go. Because he connects. Who he the fuck is Fred, Fred again? again? Let's get into it. Fred again. Do you know who Fred again is? I don't like listening out here. I'm guessing. Do you know what I actually think? A lot of people listen to this podcast. We promote it right. They're going to come follow who Fred, who the fuck is Fred again? Because it's just so topical at the mm. moment. You're just seeing it absolutely everywhere. His name keeps popping up, and so many different kind of things about him. You might have seen his boiler room. You might have heard about how rich he is. You might have heard some of the music. You just don't know. But like everybody is talking about Fred again, and I mean, some people have done the research. But some people are like he's rich. Fuck him. And there, but I think the Mix Mag article which came out. He is rich. Oh, he is very rich. He's from a lot of money. We'll, we'll get into that. Um, I can't wait. But 
I think a lot of people are talking about it because the Mixmag article has dropped. And if you're listening now, it's May, it's March 2023. And uh, yeah, in the last few days before recording this, there's a Mixmag article coming out. And it's kind of why I think it's caused such a stir. It's like, it's like it's Fred again, Fred Agania, as in like Fred again mania, basically, and why that is. Thanks for <laughs> just, just <laughs> letting me know. <laughs> just, just so you know. The quote that, that people have really kind of like taken taking like, I don't know, umbrage dudes that Fred again is the guy you smoke rollies with. He's pouring you pints of Guinness behind the bar. He texts you and asks you if you fancy coming to his house to play some tunes. Subverting the traditional method of major label sign producer also it seems Fred again instead posts links to sh- to shows along with WhatsApp, screenshots or his Instagram story at the last minute. He invites people to contribute to making of his records in a, as a way of slowly teasing out his releases instead of a well-manicured press campaign. Uh, he asks for travel tips for cities he's visiting to build up momentum. So all of these things are not true but it's like people are like yeah he is that but he was also he's an industry plant and he's from like not one of the richest families ever but he's from money money he's mm. from really good money money so it's like this kind of thing is whether are you this crazy talented person who deserves i think it's because of his rise over the last two years of the name fred again it's just gone crazy yeah. basically people are like does he deserve this is he an industry plant whatever whatever or then yeah, he just used all his links, his rich links to become who he is. Right. Or is he actually this incredibly talented musician who's like, I guess the issue with this is like, they're trying to paint him as this man. Like, both can be true and you don't have to be like, oh, I'm so cool and down to earth, man. The people, yeah. And I think even in the last Mixed Mag article, they had the, um, all the press shots of like him on the bus, him on the tube. It's like trying, trying to like normalize him. Yeah. And like, I mean, he's a very normal man. guy. He looks very cool. So, I mean, I actually, let me tell you, the first time I heard about Fred again was my manager was like, bro, I've in a session with this guy. Uh, it's called Fred. And he's a he's fucking genius. He's absolutely insane. The track he's just made in five minutes, Young Team Bugsy, incredible. But he's like, there's jokes. He went like, I think he actually said, he went to Eton. He didn't go to Eton, but I think that's what he, he's like. He went to Eton, though. He's like an Eton kid. But he actually went to Marlborough College, which is um, one of the most prestigious schools in the country, I think. Yeah. Some of the princesses went there. Uh, Jack Whitehall went there. It's costs about, I think currently costs about 42 grand a year to get in. So like he is definitely for money. I think his, where he gets his money from, no one completely knows. No, no one really knows what his parents isn't it, do. Yeah. Is it like his family is like royal adjacent though, isn't it? They're like lords or something like that. There's, there's apparently a peerage maybe in his family. But I don't know. This is the thing. It's a bit clouded in a mystery. Mm. I don't want to say, oh, his dad's a peer. If I don't actually know if that's true. Someone What's said like his uncle, like a, like you say, royal adjacent, basically. <laughs> I don't want to say his uncle right, was, yeah, someone yeah. says his uncle was part of a Daily Mail or head yeah. of Daily Mail. But he's I, like I, I 1%. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. You, yeah, but yeah. if you were, if basically, like if, you go family, to, yeah, yeah. if you go to Marble College, you're, 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 you're doing Vinted, yeah. very good. You're, 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 you're really up there. And then, but let's, let's, let's get into his backstory because I think what people don't seem to understand or sometimes is that like, this is a, he hasn't come from nowhere. This is a guy who won the 2020 Brit Award for Best Producer of the Year. Like, he doesn't come from nowhere. That's before really Fred again even was in the public consciousness. What year? 2020. Well, so for his work in 2019. Right. Um, so yeah, so he hasn't come out of nowhere at all. So let's get, let's let's break it down. Let's go back to, to Fred again. And so yeah, he's from money. He went to Marble College. That is very clear. At 16, he was like mentored at, by his neighbor, Brian Eno. Brian <laughs> Eno is one of probably the most successful producers of the last like 50 years he okay. kind of he, he was working with david bowie um he's revolutionary because he basically created ambient music mm. that kind of like and 
you kind of hear that in Fred again. Yeah. In Fred again as well. Yeah, he's wow. composer, keyboardist, singer. He kind of, yeah, reinvented some of the most popular bands of the 80s and 90s, basically. I think David Bowie, he was all, on his always early tracks when he went to produce three albums for him. Obviously, David Bowie was huge. Also, like, he also produced the Windows 95 startup sound. That, Stop. Like, which people da, like. Na, na. Or how does it go? That's the XP one. He used oh. one just before, which probably isn't just as popular, but it's very. Very nice. <laughs> very nice. Oh, very nice. <laughs> very nice. And so that's his neighbor. So he takes him under his wing. And even before he's taken under that wing at 16, he's had a decade of like musicianship. Fuck. It, so do you know what I mean? So for, he's been doing this from five like, years old, yeah, six yeah, years yeah. old. He's like, and he's like classically trained from six. Okay. So this guy knows everything. So, but even Brian, you know, this is obviously one of the most successful record producers said, uh, when I first worked with Fred, I could see he was brilliant. It took me quite a while to think, oh my gosh, this is a really new idea about how you can make music. So I learned a lot from him. Wow. That's him probably talking about him as a young, young buck. So that is his background. Incredibly talented musician. He's doing since six years old, classically trained. And then he meets this uh, Brian Eno who teaches him the game. And then his first uh, cuts uh, in 2014 uh, on two of Brian Eno's uh, albums. So that's 20-year-old Fred. <laughs> yeah, that's that's your start. Did he go to uni now? I don't know if he went to uni. I know he went to mob college. I don't think he did. Right. I, think he's, I, don't, I don't think he did. He, he He's quoted as saying, music was the only thing I was ever good at. So I don't okay. know if he was like academically, uh, how how, how good, how good at, uh, you know, grades he got and stuff. I think he skipped school to go make beats. Um, Cute. And then he also was in the Red Bull Music Academy in Tokyo in, that, in 2014. So that's really hard to get into, by the way. I is tried it? for like three years. Didn't get is in. it? Like, what, 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 what is it? It's like a, Red Bull used to because Red Bull have studios around the world, yeah, yeah. and it's like they have like a week of like the pay the entrance to get into it like is like sixty page like questionnaire type thing, dumb questions, and like only the best go in. So people, I think like Flavor D got in once, and a few other people, and they just send like these twelve people from around the world to one place, and then they like make music and these workshops. It's, it's with so it's like a writing camp kind of writing camp, but just like mastermind master sessions and just like yeah but you have to be sick to get in okay and it was like at that period of time everyone went to get into it like everyone was trying to get in so um he, he got into that again you got to be fucking good to get into that um but so this is where so that's like you know you've got him as a very talented person probably coming out of school you've got these connections you've obviously had a massive foot up and you have probably probably connections in the music industry but then it gets a bit off because his first Clips that I'm interested in are in he produced like eight tracks or something on Roots Maneuver's Bleeds album in 2015. Now Roots Maneuver in 2015, Roots Maneuver is pioneer, one of the UK hip hop greats. He's I think in, from the 90s, he really pushed UK hip hop forward. He's probably one of the first people to chart or have like a hit um in UK hip hop inspired the likes of Disney Rascal. Like before he's like he, he creates the wave basically. Yeah. But by 2015, he's I wouldn't say falling off, but he's in his later bit of career. He hasn't He's a bit in a weird place musically. Mm. So I have no idea how some 20-year-old kid from, like, say, Marlboro College ends up produ- producing half of his album. It's, it's kind of a bit That's and so also, random. The album is great. Mm. Like, I, it's, a, it's kind of like a hidden gem of an album. And it's, if you listen back to it and now, again, very emotionally driven. You know, that's something that you know comes into his music as, as, as Fred again. And it kind of got like a second renaissance because one of the tracks, Fighting For, which is great, just kind of like this piano-led um, I think it, it was just, it was featured in the third series of Top Boy, the last episode. So I think people kind of like went back to it, and I'm just so I'm just like I don't know how that happens. But interestingly, 
Fortet is also on a couple of those tracks. And I'm guessing, I don't know if Fortet brought him in and he knew him or whatever, but that's obviously a relationship that's been building since 2015. Okay. So when you're seeing this Skrillex, yeah, Fortet, yeah, yeah. Fred again, you're like, what the fuck like, is so Fortet random, with but Fred like, again? It, makes sense, yeah. it kind of makes sense from back back then. So, God, that's yeah. 10 years almost. Yeah. So go listen to that album. That's longer than I've known you. Oh yeah, 100%. I've known you like three years, four years. Okay, chill out. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> well, this is a, yeah, of course. We haven't known each other that long. Yeah, I know, but like, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's a long time. Yeah, yeah. So he's been doing his thing since then. And then, so he's done that. But then, so this is where I feel like, I don't know how that happened. I think it's very random that he, like, who picked who to work with. But I love it, basically. But then quickly, he rises up from that album, which I would say is more than the alternative scene. He quickly gets in to the pop people. And that might be where, like you say, the industry plant thing comes from. Sure. Because he's straight, straight the next few years, like from 2016, Eddie Goulden, bang, Charlie XCX, MO, who like a girl, girl, girl group, like R&B girl group, Little Mix, all the early Ray tracks, Shawn Mendes. These were oh, like fucking hell. big pop kind of acts. But then also around that time, you had Steph London. Six, mm. No one can this feel out your mother. 16 shots. Da, 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 da. Like her tracks that kind of got her popping, Fred again. Is it? I had no idea. That's what I mean. So you have these pop tracks and then you kind of have these more kind of like urban tracks where you're like launching kind of people's careers. Um, Mr. Easy and Chronic, Chronics. He did a few tracks on, on, mm. on the Mr. Easy album. Octavian, when Octavian was popping. Ray Black. I'll say the Ray Black tunes he produced were in that era when she was going all more labelly. That kind of, mm. we discussed it before, like kind of for her old stuff, but a few tracks, a few good tracks of Ray Black. Burner Boy, the track with Lily Allen. Apparently, don't know if this is true, but I think, Part of reason Burner Boy, the rumor that part of the reason why Burner Boy met Steph is through Fred again. That's is why they're all okay. like great friends and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. it's like he is getting cuts and a real good array of cuts. Like he is, versatile. his publisher, I don't know, is getting him in. Because yeah, and very versatile, like you say, pop shit, yeah. cool shit, goes to Fred, like he's doing it. Um, but I guess there's, there's like leagues, there's, there's certain levels to this like producer game. And that, uh, he, he probably hit Premier League there. But I think he went Champions League when he did Shotgun by George Ezra, which again, this is a huge pop track. Yeah, yeah. Like, but huge, very, very different to the stuff he's making with like Steph London, for example. And that was that tune, one of the biggest tunes of that year. It was in the top three for 12 weeks, I think. And I think that's like, he's gone clear at this point. He's gone absolutely clear. And then from then, that's like 2018, 2019. Ed Sheeran seemingly, I don't know how the introduction takes place, but Ed Sheeran basically goes, you, you're sick. I don't want to do anything if you're not on it. Because <laughs> that 2019 collaboration number six project yeah. is basically all Fred again. Like, is it? it? Like the whole, I think maybe I think there's a couple of tracks we've got two producers on, but like 90% of that album is Fred again. So, Oh my God, do you know, I had no idea about all this shit. This is what I mean. I had People no idea really who the fuck know. he was, clearly. Who the fuck is Fred again? <laughs> who the fuck is he? But, okay, so then, after that year, then your production credits are obviously adding to what you said. Then, on that album, there's Eminem, 50 Cent, Cali, yeah. Justin Bieber, Travis Scott. Fuck. You've just, like, you've reached impeccable yeah. heights. You know all I mean? the top. All the top. All of them. So then 2019 comes. In 2019, the stat, it's kind of a crazy stat, is that he had a hand in 30% of all of the number one singles of that year. Mainly because all the number one singles are Ed Sheeran tracks. Because mm. Ed Sheeran, anything Ed Sheeran does just stays in the charts forever. And they actually changed the chart rules. Because of Ed? Ed? Yeah, because it, it they changed it because of Ed. It's like basically the Ed Sheeran rule, law. Because if you didn't, the whole top 20 would be Ed Sheeran. 
and it would stay like that for a so very long time. So what's the rule time. that? Don't quote me on the rule. I will get it for next time. But it's something like if you're in the chart for a certain number of weeks and it's like all this streaming based, it gets halved. Like your streams get halved because oh. otherwise, like I say, you'd just be in there forever. So it's like, it's like growth instead of like just complete mm, sales. If it was it. done just on complete sales, it's the whole chart is That's really funny. Maybe with Bieber, like thrown in there somewhere. So he, all the Ed Sheeran tracks, um, also Stormzy own it. And that was number one for so long. And he did like another three tracks of Stormzy album. So like he is at this point, the go-to producer. Yeah. He is, he is the guy. And then, and then is he working with American artists? Well, like, well, I think mainly UK, but obviously because of that Ed Sheeran album was so international. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. What, Camilla yeah. Cabello was on there, all this stuff. So like your credit list is mm. just like kind of unheard yeah. of. And then some other ones in that time, which are my favorite tracks, like you did the, um, Mist and Fredo track So High alongside Predator. That's an amazing, huge track. Uh, and one of my favorite crossover garage tracks of recent years, AJ Tracy and Mabel, West 10. Yeah, yeah. Did that. So, like, that's a cool track. Like, mm. So, he he's just doing absolutely And that's, you know, before, and that's why he won Best Producer of the sure. 2020 Brits Awards. So, that's even before Fred again even exists. That's Fred Gibson. That's Fred. That's who Fred is. Oh. So, then apparently, he's watching Scooby Doo. And Daphne's, there's a friend by Fred in there. And Daphne, someone leaves us like, oh my God, it's Fred again. And that's where Fred again comes. Okay. So Fred again, so I, I followed him very early on. See, before I get into Fred again, I was because we were on his cuts. In the last couple of years, the H and Ashanti baby tune is okay. him. So if you want to have that sampling debate about sure. it, he's in that. And then also the main thing he did was, he, again, he was on like 80% of the equals Ed Sheeran albums. Ed Sheeran was like, nope, you're my guy. <laughs> So as a songwriter, producer, you are, I don't know who's had more successful cuts than him over the last few years. There might be someone, but I don't know who. Crazy levels. Um, so let's go on to Fred again. I started, I started following Fred again. I think after my manager had said, I think he had 5,000 followers. So I did see it quite early on. And he was just posting up like, ran, uh, but I saw from the clips that he had at that time. I was like, wow, you work with a lot of people. Because sure. I didn't know, I didn't know any of his credit lists. I'm seeing it from this yeah, yeah. Like, And then the Heady One project came out which is very critically acclaimed, but then some people hated it. Some people were like, who is this Fred again guy? Please make sure he never produces anything ever again. Because it was so experimental. Obviously, Heady wants to do straight, straight re- down with no That's drill. when I think he came into my radar as yeah. well. And that's probably lockdown Cause I Yeah, because I really like that album. Yeah, sick. Yeah. So it's, yeah, because so we were talking about it on our radio show, I think, yeah. when it came out. I loved it. Mm. And that's, yeah, I remember seeing like them working in a studio together and I was like, just a bit random, just, but it felt random. Cool. But yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I, I think you, maybe even you might have told me that, like, Fred again should never touch sample or something because, like, some of the tweets was just hilarious. Because yeah. the drill, the drill fans are like, "What have you done to anyone?" Basically, yeah. but that's your, your introduction to 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 Fred again. And I, what I think Fred again does brilliantly is he takes the he, he brings he takes a mo- he brings such emotion into a track because those other songs, some of them are emotional, but some of them are just very like I don't know generate pop songs some of them but fred again somehow merges like dance music with emotion and it's just connected crazily so 2020 at the heady one project then lockdown hits and what he does brilliantly is he he manages to basically make music in lockdown but he's basically come his, his his diary. He has his three albums that have come out over the last three years, actual life. He dates from like I don't know April to to, to September. And one of the tracks that came off that was um, "We Lost Dancing," which just hit a chord because it samples Best Madonna talking about the lockdown and how 
people are dancing anymore, they lost the clubs and stuff. And it was just like, I think someone said it's like, I, I remember when I first heard that song, it disconnected to me because it made me want to dance, but it made me feel so emotional and like all of these things. Once he, he got that, he hit a lick. So when people say he's an industry plant, I mean, he's not because no one ever told him to go sample voice notes from either sessions he's had or like interviews he's had or social media. No, there's no A&R telling you that's a good idea. Like A&Rs are going, we need a big hook. He's, and he's just gone, I'm in lockdown. Let me just go through my old shit. Let me yeah, go through social media and just sample stuff. And that's, and that's one of the things he sampled and that's what hit the lick. Um, but the rise was crazy because from that, no one before lockdown. No one knew Fred again was. He come out of lockdown and he did a show at All Points East, uh, All Points All Points East in East London, and there's ten thousand people there, and they're all going crazy. And then maybe this is where you can get the industry plant thing from because after you had that success of the the dancing track and a few things, like it was all done very well in terms of all the covers. Like had this like blue tint. Like, okay, it's his kind of. It's you know it's blue again. Uh, it's a Fred again um, cover. A bit like when Disclosure used to have the, like the eyes the on. So someone's yeah, 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 like very simple, mm. but just works. You know it's okay, Fred again. Yeah. Um, and then he built up this personal touch. He like you know he, he basically like I said he, he he releases like little webs like what one should I release? He's like he gets the audience involved in a way that is. They always say it's like it's it's less now of like a you can have a hit. People can have hits, but they can't sell out shows. Fred again can see me do both. He can both, make a yeah. hit, but he can he gets these people involved. They like the song, they're connected to him, and then he keeps them there. Mm. And that's where there's like, oh, he's just he, he, I feel like he could pull a pint for me, wherever right. it is. He, he he gets it. The personal touch he adds, it's crazy. I and mean, he does stuff like leaves scarves in a random place in, in Amsterdam. So I've I've left these scarves here, go pick them up. There's there's huge queues around the block. He sends people music on like Bluetooth. If you're at a show, he send you like if he will send you some rhythms or like he just he manages to he organizes a bike ride to do things like he just manages to do things where people feel really connected to him. That's cute. So and again, I don't feel like with on a marketing thing, I don't think anyone's told him to do this. But I, once three people see it works, they double down because no one else has managed to do it really. Over a lot in dance music, that's the thing with even I struggle with. I'm a music producer and it's like. How do you get your personality across? Because sometimes if you're an artist, you, you can talk and you can your voice can be on it. He somehow manages to get his personality across. Somehow in the music, because yeah. he makes voyages well, from breaks, UK garage. But it's still, you know it's a Fred Again record. Somehow mm. you know. The feeling of it, you know it's Fred Again. Maybe the way he samples the, the audio, that no, no one's really been doing that. You know it's a Fred Again record, which is a very hard thing to have. And then with like the connection he has with fans, it seems very natural. So... Yeah, he does that very, very well. And then obviously came the Boiler Room set. I guess I guess his live show is very sick. He, did, he uses Native Instruments Machine and he uses it basically like an instrument. And maybe most people use it to make beats. I use it to make beats. He uses it like a complete instrument in his live shows. And that culminated in the Boiler Room show that was, just went fucking insane. Mm. And then from there, it was like a new level unlocked. It was like, cool, you're big in the UK in a certain few things. But now you're just worldwide, 15 million viewers on now. Like that, it's just crazy. Um, so that's and then from there, Rumble came. People were like, "Where's this Rumble track? It's crazy!" All right, double step his back. Skrillex, oh my god! And then they released it at the start of the year. Just go sell out Madison Square. This, that, and the other. And it's like in the last three months, it just keeps getting bigger and yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger. Where, like, you know, at the point now where it is mania. So let's look at what people are saying about him. So people don't like him. I think he's industry industry plant. 
Um, people don't like him because they think he's rich and wealthy and just bought his way in there. People don't like him because they think that he's appropriating uh, black uh, black dance music, so stuff like UK Garage, Jungle, and he's basically, basically whitewashing it and sending it to another audience. And in a kind of way, all of these things are true to some, to some extent, but we live in a world where everyone steals from from everyone and, and does these things. Um, we, yeah, everyone's, it's like, you know, steal from artists, you take this, but like I say, he has stolen all these bits of issues, but he has made it very much him. So you kind of got to give him respect to. So I was thinking like, what do, what do I think? Because I see all this discourse uh, online about it. I'm like, what do I think? Take away the things going on. I'm just like, I, at first I was kind of a bit of a hater. I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> Uh, do you know what I mean? They choose all white. Yeah, he's yeah. good. First of all, when I, I look him up, I do my research. When I, when I saw the back catalogue, I was like, wow. The more videos I started watching of him, I'm like, fucking hell, he's good. Like, yeah. he's good. He's very, you can't tell me that the guy's not good. He's He can do things that people can only dream of because he's classically trained. He has that ear. He brings the emotion. Um, and like, I think, yeah, he's at the forefront. I think he's benefited Dance music has gone crazy. I think we said this before. He's benefited from that, but he's managed to bring his own style into it. So I think there's, yeah, one, if you if you look at who Fred again is, one, he's a very talented uh, and very person who works very hard. Because like I say, the amount, of credit, the amount of cuts he's had are crazy. Yes, he's very wealthy. He's very privileged. I'm sure he used his connections to get into the music industry because that jump from Roots Maneuver to Charlie XCX and all those pop artists, that doesn't come just yeah, so completely I think, naturally. Yeah, I think that, that part of the career is more like, mm, how did that happen? That's, like, that's what you're more curious pub, about. Yeah, publisher, get, get a publishing deal, connections, yeah, get into these rooms. I'm sure that's helped because that jump, I haven't seen that jump happen like that. And like I say, the, just the, the breadth for people that he was getting in with. But the thing is with him is that everyone who works with him says, it's like, wow, he's good and it gets on with him. So that's the thing. Like, And that's the when people were saying, oh, man of the people, it is semi man of the people because that is half of, the battle is getting on with people and he gets on and from Ray to JK and H he managed to get on with people Mike Skinner Ed Sheeran they like him Burner Boy they love him so maybe he is the amount of the people thing does ring true in some way but it's just like he's not salt of the earth you know what I mean yeah he doesn't <laughs> and, represent the most no but yeah, but I see yeah. what you're getting at. Yeah, that's, that's what I think. So I think there's yeah a few things that have gone into it. It's that the talent, the work rate, the connections to get into the scene, even because there's a lot of amazingly talented producers out there who have hits sitting on a hard drive who just don't have that looking. So 100% those, those connections help. The free, the emotional connection that he transmits through the music to fans. I don't know anyone else who's done it like him. I know of a producer at least who's done it like him. Um, people feel emotionally attached yeah. to him buying his tickets like waiting like it's like it's like it's like, it's like glastonbury like the, the way his tickets go absolute crazy levels um i think maybe because it's like humble it's like oh how is this happening they, yeah, all buy yeah, into yeah. they buy into him um i think the personal story that he's told through like documenting his actual life it sure. reads like a diary that's really helped into it um and the rise of dance music i say in general i think that's been yeah with atlas and uh sorry with bicep and these these people who are like there's an emotional Dance music is up. We're very emotional as like a world at the moment since lockdown. People, those those two hitting, he's hit that lick and he's running with it and he's at the forefront of it. Um, live shows, it, 
in a place in a, in a world where everyone's just like pressing play and DJing and it kind of gets a bit boring he's fucking shit up yeah. he came with something different obviously there's people who've done it before him and possibly done it better but he's only doing it in his own way and he's very good at it so that's why people are seeing something and like yo that's new that's interesting let's go and then six like marketing like I say I don't think I think the marketing comes from him. What he what he's done is very natural. But what I think people what they have done is what they've seen what works and they've doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on it. And that team has created, managed to create moment after moment after moment. Because like I say, I've seen him go from 5,000 followers and he's doing the same things, but just on a, on a much bigger level. So I, yeah, the marketing definitely comes into it as well. And his link-ups with Forte and Skrillex collaboration i think that's actually what i'd say what he is he's a collaborator mm. because because he's worked with all these other artists he's just feeding energy seeing out what works yeah and then even with the script project every track is like it's not like it's just a beat it oh let me sample this let me take that yeah these things he's a collaborator and that's what he is and now you know with the critics and flow down i love that album actually yeah you know what i mean so yeah i think that's what he is so it's just yeah, different it's different and that's, and that's what I think he is. He's a bit different. And like I say, great marketing. Even that we've done a whole fucking podcast for the last half an hour talking about him. Absolutely brilliant. I'm like, how the fuck do I get people to talk about me for half an hour? And it all... <laughs> so that's what... Well, why don't you not get scared about talking for more than five minutes at the beginning of a podcast that you host? Well, Fred again didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It really takes yeah. from Fred again. It's a personal connection. So yeah, my only like... So I, I, sit, I fit in the middle. I am a turned, I, I was a hater and now I am a fan. The only thing I have a slight issue with is like the the portrayal of him, like on the, the on the bus thing. Da, da, da. I get why they're doing it, but you can just let him be him and it just shines through. So that's my only kind of like slight gripe. But that guy, I think he is probably a once a generational talent because the, the tracks that he's making, and I've never seen someone take the dance world in this generation, he's this generation's like I don't even know who it who it would be Diplo. I don't I don't know. It's, he's very much himself. Yeah. So who is Fred, who the fuck is Fred again? Who I think it's very himself? very rare for producers, especially, to have like this kind of. Not that saying he's not an artist before, mm-hmm. but like as that artist role as well. Ma- yeah, ma- and main like okay mania to get his, to get these yeah. tickets to to meet him to just to. I do think people are just like a bit wilder these days, anyway. Wild and just in terms of like what who they like, like the mania, yeah, is is quite different. I think mm. post COVID, yeah. I mean, yeah, but his. I mean, we've always seen it, even like some of the K-pop bands and all that stuff. But it's like, even if we're like comparing those two things, because the music that he's making mm. is not K-pop. No, you know what I mean? It's, not, it's yeah, garage breaks, jungle breaks, and people were like, but again, <laughs> <laughs> they are loving him <laughs> off. So uh, I admire it. Um, people, the people hating, I think there's, there's some issues uh, that I blog uh, on Twitter brought, brought, brought up as well about his treatment of certain DJs. I don't know the full facts, so I have to look it up. And some people are hating along the way that he doesn't bring in black female DJs or something like this. And that he's, he's at Coachella, especially, he was quite rude in a certain situation. I don't know the facts on it, so I don't really want to speak on it too much until the, fact, the facts come out. So there's also that uh, card being labelled at him, uh, levelled at him as well. But in terms of like, yeah, in my opinion, he is incredibly talented. Yes, he's very rich, but I'm sure there's a lot of very rich producers who haven't made it as well. So mm. I don't think he's an industry plant. He is signed, but you can't manufacture what he's done. Yeah. That's who Freddie Gennis is. Wow, well done. Oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> thanks, mate. 
Yeah. Any final thoughts? But it was just like quite overwhelming, all mm. that info. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. No, not like that. It's just like it's it's really crazy, like everything he's accomplished. In, in such a short like period 20, of time. Like twenty eight. Twenty nine, I think. Yeah. He's done a lot. He's got, a lot, I think he's got a lot more to come. I think because I haven't really engaged in like the mania, I suppose. Like I'll listen to, well, I've heard a lot of the tracks that he's produced mm-hmm. and I've obviously listened to the Skrillex like project recent, most recently, saw the Boiler Room, stuff like that. But like I hadn't really, like I haven't been scrolling in the comments or anything. Yeah, yeah. So I it, didn't really have an opinion on him really. It's just, it's funny that it's definitely the thread again, like I've, People who don't talk to me about music know are him? speaking to me about Fred again. Right. They've seen something. They've seen either a live show. They've seen the native instrument machine. They've heard something on Twitter. So he's got to a point where he's transcended. He's like the culture scene. rather he's, than yeah, just music. Yeah. He transcended the dance scene. He's now, it's not household name, but he's getting to those levels where, like, yeah, you're, yeah. you're up there. Definitely up there. Interesting. Oh. At Behind the Drop with a double P, if you want more. <laughs> Um, also you can get in contact and just say like yo like we need topics I mean we've got a lot of topics but if you've got any co- topics that you want us to cover then please let us know um, we're yeah. all, is. We're all and is. make sure you like subscribe follow all of that on wherever you're listening and sponsor us and we're gonna be we're gonna be back in two weeks every two weeks we've got new two stories weeks. for you yeah we'd like to do it every week but we gotta need make money. some money and stuff so, so yeah. if you wanna pay us then that's cool set up a Patreon <laughs> set up a Patreon <laughs> alright All right. cool. till Bye. next time